Hello, you're listening to The Demographic Cast, a podcast where we discuss politics and social issues with a variety of interesting guests. I'm your host, Brett Lee, and today I'm joined by Jack Street and Alex DeBoyk. Today we will be discussing the use of fear in the media after The Sun leaked a government document warning about the coming winter. How are you guys doing today? Yeah, not too bad. Um, with the new format, do you guys want to give you, give a brief uh, sort of introduction to yourselves? Sure. Say what you do for Demographica, I guess. Yeah, so um, as Brett said, my name's Jack Street. I founded Demographica and run day-to-day operations of the, the business. And I'm Alex. I'm the uh, I'm the the uh, the site the site editor of of Demographica. I I do I do all the all, all the uh, all the articles and stuff and stuff that goes on our website. Cool. How about you, Brett? Uh, You've got to introduce yourself. Yeah, as well. yeah. <laughs> I am the host of Demographica. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, before we dive into any topics, I just want to apologise for any background noise. Um, there's works going on right next door to me, and I also live on a busy street. So. <laughs> before recording we could hear dogs barking and, and shit so i apologize for that it's typical that it starts happening just as we're about to start recording as well you get complete peace and quiet until, until you need peace and quiet and then the right. world and his wife starts doing <laughs> building work luckily touch wood it seems pretty quiet out there now but Good. now that i've said that we'll hear yeah. sirens and <laughs> explosions <laughs> i always think it, it sounds quite cool when you hear there's like an interview or something and there's sirens in the background i don't know if, if that's just me but i no, think it gives a good our, bit of atmosphere yeah hopefully our listeners will think the same yeah hopefully okay let's dive into the first topic then so the sun uh a tabloid not exactly known for its outstanding journalism uh, recently <laughs> recently leaked document detailing emergency plans that are being put in place by the cabinet office for this winter as the UK heads towards uh, a second wave of coronavirus, a difficult flu season and an increasingly likely no-deal Brexit. Um, The document warns of one in 20 town halls going bust, which could drastically affect uh, the social care sector. Um, Or it warns of public disorder, shortages and price hikes due to the current economic situation, i.e., the recession um and and also brexit uh it warns of troops potentially having to be drafted into the streets to help police uh it warns of social distancing and masks being mandatory until well into 2021 whatever that means um and it also uh warns of like fuel and food shortages this christmas if uh if the dover crossing is blocked so it's all pretty scary stuff um, but uh, I want to start with a question, which is, why is the Sun, why is the Sun of all newspapers revealing this document that up until recently they probably would have branded as uh, like Project Fear, given they staunchly backed Brexit? Um, that's a good question. It is. Thank uh, you. <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure. I, mean, I don't know, Alex. Do you have any ideas as to why they might be running this story now? Um, I, I think it's partly got to do with the coronavirus, hasn't it? I, I suppose um, there seems to have been this this sort of 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 out of out out outcry from the um, from the sort of from from the Sun and the Daily Mail about how we need to get back on our feet, you know, get the economy rolling again. Um, everyone should, you know, everyone should go back to work. But um, yeah, so I, I I feel like leaking this 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 now um, is trying to put to put pressure on the government to do more to get everyone to go back to work and yeah, and, yeah. you know, prevent more more sort of coronavirus measures. I I suppose would be my yeah yeah it, interesting because I I think a lot of people would look at this and go, you know, maybe that that if they're there's fear about a second wave specifically about the second wave then if things spike up again we need to be even more prepared to defend it or deflect it as we were beforehand right that that's kind of how i envision it um whilst understanding that we need to get the economy rolling again to get back on our to get the country back on our feet we're headed into a massive economic crisis without brexit or coronavirus um and those issues are just going to exacerbate it even more we're probably looking at one of the worst economic crises of well, definitely of our lifetime. The fact that we even have to, we have economic crises in our lifetime to pick from says quite a lot about the um, 
political and economic situation, but surely your argument or the argument that I would use would be whilst, yes, we have to ensure that there are the right provisions to get back on our feet, um, we need to be even more careful about protecting the country um, than we have been because of these exacerbated effects. Like the, so do you think it's a... Do you think it's a case of uh, the the because the British public's trust in the government has waned a little bit due to the coronavirus? Do you think it's that it that's why they've decided to publish this sort of thing? Maybe, but also, uh, I, uh, the 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 No Deal Brexit thing is the bit that um, has kind of is the curveball here for me because, as you say, the Sun hasn't been scared about pushing the line that whatever the circumstances, the British will be strong enough to survive whatever yeah. happens. You know that kind of strange nationalism that we're superior to everyone else and we can overcome literally anything that comes our way and that's almost a good thing there's something that we should be really really proud of is that um or, or something we should welcome is hardship because we'll be able to get over it you know not we we love our country so much that we should try and make living here as easy and as uh you know tolerable as possible um mm. So that's the bit that I don't really understand in all this. It's not that they're saying that this is project fear. It's they're kind of saying this might be something that we need to worry about. Um, no, exactly. I bring up project fear solely because they've, I believe, they've used it as a term before to describe uh, people who were warning against Brexit. Yeah, naysayers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that this is very much not it, or this is, would have been if this had been published by the Guardian or something, or some other, or the Independent or whatever. I think it's probably quite likely that someone would have branded it as project fear so yeah. it's, it's how confusing much, to me how much traction did this get in in because because i'll be honest i didn't see it too it much. was trending on social medias uh, over the weekend right after okay. it was and, and were people, people were, calling this project fear no they were that it project fear was trending but it was well when i clicked on it it was a lot of people saying how right uh the sun is being hypocritical basically yeah. and um this is why I, how I thought of this question, actually. Um, I also wondered if maybe it was a, an element of sensationalism and just the fact that they found they they managed to get this document and so leaking it would cause a... Yeah, it's just selling a story. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, maybe it's maybe not about taking a side at all, it's just about selling a story. I feel like it kind of, it kind of got... got, um, got uh, uh, um, like, like over, overshadowed by this other story about how... Um, how they're getting rid of of, um, of of some songs from the proms, right? <laughs> this is what's been all over the front pages of like the the Express, the Mail, the Sun. Yeah, really. Yeah, the, that and the National this, Trust stuff. Yeah, as well, this, yeah, this this that that's overshadowed this story about how you know ev everything's going to go wrong because of because of Brexit and coronavirus and the winter that that's that's that, that's like on the horizon. Um, like, like on the horizon, you know, um, it it just kind of shows how, um, yeah, you know how how media sensation sensationalism works, you know. I think yeah, it's but also, th sorry, th this isn't even really news. That that it's no, not shocking no, it's not, to no. anybody that's kind of followed Brexit or, or Did... the economic situation for a while. This isn't Didn't we have that's... a similar leak of a similar document around this time There's been loads, year. there's been loads, because they have to do these contingency plans. They have yeah. to do these worst-case scenario contingencies because they need to be prepared that if shit does hit the fan, they're somewhat ready for it. How ready for it they will be, um, who knows, but they're not suggesting that this will happen. No. But they need to plan for a worst-case scenario. Um, and it's not, it's not people, you know, every, I think almost everybody accepts now or everybody should accept now that Brexit is happening. Like the the, the second referendum movement failed, um, the the Remain movement even after the the referendum has failed, we are leaving mm -hmm. in some form or another. Um, that's yeah. what the country wants. Judging by the last elections, that's what um, people want to see, right? So um, we should all be wishing for as good a Brexit as possible. This isn't a good Brexit that's occurring at the moment that the fact that a no deal is ever more likely even though the government won um an election saying that they had an oven ready deal you know brexiteers should be angry because yeah. 
the government haven't fulfilled their promises during the election. This is mm-hmm. a massive story. The, the fact that the sun is pushing this is a massive story. Um, exactly. I, I thought that as well. And it makes me wonder because, I mean, I'm prob- I think I'm right in assuming <clears throat> that most people who read the sun regularly are probably Brexit voters. Mm-hmm. What do you think they think of this article? Do you think they'll take it seriously? Do you think? Uh, I hope so, because I think yeah. that unfortunately, a lot of our views are based on the trust in the outlet that's reporting it, and the Sun is what the second most read newspaper in the country. So, uh, um, I th- I thought it was the first. I'm yeah, it's sure. it, either the first or second most read newspaper in the country so lots of people obviously read the sun and lots of people trust the sun so it's in whether or not you like the sun as a company or whether you agree with what they say it's important to look at what they're reporting because it will reflect a lot of the views of a lot of people because people base their views on what they read um so the fact that they, this is this has been a story the fact that people are reading this could mean that people start to open their eyes to the possibilities of what a no-deal Brexit will look like. And the fact that this isn't being, this hasn't been reported as Project Fear um, civil servants um, say that Brexit is bad, they've actually reported it in a way that is outlining what could happen um, mm-hmm. and what the government are prepared for is a good thing. Do you think, do you think the, um, the, the coronavirus might take more of the blame? Well, I think that's what the I think that's what the government will suggest. But the, yeah. the, there's a, the problem with that strategy, and the problem with a lot of this government's strategy for uh, risk management and damage limitation, is that there's only if if you've got three or four massive crises going on at the same time, you can't deflect onto the other massive crisis that you've um, exacerbated. They can't if if there's a no deal Brexit and they they ran on an, on an election and their main policy or their their flagship policy was we have an oven ready deal that the EU will accept and we leave on a no deal and the country goes to shit they can't go oh actually it's coronavirus's fault because we'll all go well you were fucking in government when coronavirus was happening so that you're you know you could have made coronavirus better or the economic uh, crises. You know, yeah. you can't deflect on, onto issues that you've created. It doesn't work. Yeah, and I mean, how would have how would the uh, coronavirus would have affected this supposed eleven ready deal that they had in the first place? Well, uh, judging by the way that the negotiations have gone, they, they've not been negotiating. So mm-hmm. what they've been focused on, I don't know. But you know, even people like Michelle, people like Michelle Barnier are coming out and saying we're really disappointed in the way that yeah. the British government have neglected Brexit negotiations. Even though coronavirus is going on, we're still up for negotiating. We're still up for trying to find a deal that works. Yeah. Um, and they lied in the election. They just lied. It's they it, they didn't have a oven ready deal that, that was going to be accepted by both sides. It was bollocks. Um, and yet again, we've been let down by politicians who have sold us something fake to get into power, and then not acted on that. You know, and that is what needs to be focused on. Um, the, the same with the way that the coronavirus has been handled you know we've known this for years we have known that this may happen for years when it comes to Brexit and no deal Brexit was always on the cards no matter what Brexiteers told you um, and these are the impacts of a really bad no deal Brexit there's no getting away from that It's not that's not a political point it's just a fact I can see our podcast being flagged up as Project Fear now. Well, may, yeah, may, maybe, but there's, 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 if if we're Project Fear, then the side of Project Fear, then who are you? Who are you trusting? Well, yeah, who are you trusting? Exactly. Are you that blind to what could happen? Have you have the lies been sold by politicians so far that, that now you just there's nothing that you you believe? What happens when all these things fall into place? What happens mm-hmm. when there are massive car parks in Kent? where there's yeah. standstill traffic, where there's food supplies, where there's fuel shortages, where troops are having to be drafted onto the, the streets, where local councils are going back bankrupt. What do you say then? Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't. I mean, I remember being worried about the uh, economic impact of a no-deal Brexit this time last year. Yeah. And that's completely, you know, uh, without expecting to be in the situation that we're in now, i.e. a recession after caused by a worldwide pandemic that's still ongoing. Yeah. 
and they're, they're it's pretty scary it's pretty difficult to and it's not ignore it, it's not even that the recession's been caused by a, a pandemic we were always going to have a recession we were always mm. going to have a depression exacerbated then. it's just been massively exacerbated by it um let me move on to so to go back to the the whole idea of fear in the media a little bit um, I, I know the sun's a pretty extreme example because uh, it uses it seems to have used fear in quite a few of its headlines uh, since the the referendum and beforehand. Um, but it's it's a it's a common tactic used by news outlets to to post post maybe post not the right word but to broadcast um, scary stories to get views. Right? Yeah. I mean, the BBC does it all the time, and they they will, you know, post stories on on uh, these scary topics like wars or or famines or whatever, but will only cover it for a few days while it gains a bit while it's you know main breaking news, and then will be forgotten about. I'm thinking of stuff like the UK Ukraine conflict in 2014 yeah. that is still ongoing, but hasn't been discussed in any news um, recently. Uh, I'm unless you like, really look for it or unless there yeah, are specific you, outlets yeah, that yeah. are following that kind of stuff exactly I'm um, thinking like Yemen as well or, yeah. or Syria or all those have been sort the of the Rohingya crisis what's happening yeah, yeah. in China the Uyghur Muslims exactly uh-huh. like, so, Hong Kong yeah Hong, Hong Kong, Kong exactly. hasn't been talked about for ages all of these things are, are being I mean maybe there's a bit too much so, for the so, BBC alone yeah there. this is the problem right is that there's a lot of stuff going on and it's difficult to focus on everything at once but you have to take some responsibility and uh look at what what we're shining a light on and a lot of these issues need constant light shone on them when we're redirecting redirecting the conversation to the fucking proms because some people at the bbc want to take out the words to land of hope and glory that who who cares about that really yeah. Whose life is that impacting? Nobody's. I don't give a toss. Surely that's not as important as certain other things. Yeah, or the, the National Trust, who are, you know, just recognising that slavery existed and somehow that's a form of wokeness. You know, mm. nobody gives a shit about this stuff. They really don't. What I care about is economic crises, human rights violations, um, you know, people not being able to feed their kids because of decisions that politicians make. That's the stuff mm-hmm. I, I want reported. I don't care what news outlet it is. Yeah. The thing is, I th- do you think it's a case? Sorry, go I on. I think Alex. I think a lot of people do care about land, land, land of hope and glory, and the national trust being being woke. You know, you look at you look at like um like talk talk radio talk radio radio, and they're this is all it's 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 all it's all they're um they're 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 like they're running with you know, um, so I think there is def- there is definitely an appetite for people. You know, they only care about this this whole cult, culture war thing. You know, it's um if if people didn't read this stuff and didn't interact with it, then they wouldn't they wouldn't they wouldn't push it so hard. You know. I th- but Alex, do you think that people care about that stuff because it's what they're being fed, or do you think that people care about that stuff because it's actually the issues that they care about? Like, if you sat one on one with somebody in a pub over a pint, do you think that the things that they're really worried about, if you spoke to them? The majority of people would it be land of hope and glory and the national trust recognizing slavery or would it be um you know them living paycheck to paycheck or this economic situation or the their job security or the nhs being funded properly i think like look at the look, look at the brexit vote for example the number the number one issue was was immigration that's why there's been such a focus on you know a few people coming over coming over coming over on um, on on you know little boats and dinghies you know um i think but they've been people have been fed have been this fed, yeah, notion that immigration is going to destroy the country so if the sun start f- refocusing themselves on these issues or on the ukraine conflict or whoever are, are people going to look at issues differently that's 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 my point is that if when you have something like immigration that by the mainstream media is rammed down your throat in a way that doesn't actually reflect the reality of the situation. How often do the Sun have to um, apologise for articles that they've published that were just barefaced lies? They have to do it all the time. They're constantly issuing corrections. 
Uh, to, and nobody's holding them account for it, really. Like, you know, we all say, oh, the sun's rubbish, but it's still the most read newspaper in the country. So there has to be some kind of accountability, and that surely has to impact people, people's views. One of my questions was going to be, do you think it's a case of uh, what came first, the chicken or the egg kind yeah, of thing? Uh, yeah, is I do, it yeah. people's interest that has led the media to be like this, or is it the media that has led the people to be to read? I, I, yeah, I still think it's it's the, the media pick stories to run with and to push, agendas to push, because like Alex was saying, it people want to get their go up, up about something. It's about getting a reaction to an extent. But you can get a reaction out of almost anything if you frame it correctly. It just happens to be that the issues they've picked are almost always punching down at the most, um, at the worst off in society, whether it be people on benefits or... Um, refugees fleeing conflicts to better their lives they don't pick on the corrupt politicians or the um corrupt corporations that aren't paying their taxes or whoever they're not picking on the elites they're picking on the most hard done by in society um and that's just the, i think the way around it goes and that informs people's views massively yeah do you think uh do you think there's an element of people needing to be scared to be interested in in these kind of big topics that you've been talking about? I don't know if scared is the right word, but obviously I'm, trying to, I'm when just questioning why re- Yeah, when people there's obviously a reaction like, you know, Alex you were saying there's obviously a reaction you're trying to get out of people, right? You want to get people's backs up a little bit because it creates engagement yeah. and people want to get involved and react like, you know, if you say that the proms thinking about taking out some of these songs is erasing, erasing our history. You know, that's going to get people's yeah. backs up. But is that what they're doing? Like, I mean, I don't want to get into it too much because it's such a ridiculous sure. debate, but um, that that does get a reaction out of people, you know, because it's seen as that's what patriotism is. You know, if you, mm-hmm. if you want to take down a statue of a slaver, you're not patriotic or you don't care about this country because you're trying to you're not happy with a part of this country's history. And really, to me, what nationalism or patriotism is, is wanting your country to be fair for everybody and to rank the highest on all of these metrics that we use to rank successful countries. Um, That's patriotism to me. It's not just accepting things, whether they're bad or good, just because your country did them, or just being randomly proud about stuff that you've done. Um, yeah. it's caring about people and wanting to improve the country for the better and not taking bullshit from politicians or whoever. Um, mm-hmm. That's what patriotism is to me. But yeah, to answer your question, I think there is a, a, a bit of that, just trying to get people angry and rile people up. Do you think our, our standard of journalism needs to, to change? Oh, yes, of course. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> <laughs> but look at some of the, you know, the, how often are we approached when we either approach people to write articles or they come to us to write articles, how often are people saying to us, I want to write an article on uh, the culture war or I want to write an article on um, people that are, you know, trying to get rid of songs or the National Trust issues or stuff like that. That isn't really what people want to write about. Even if we do have people that write for us that care about those issues somewhat, those people want to write about... um, economic policy or social issues that or you know human rights abuses in other countries or stuff like that like there are real tangible issues that are impacting people's lives that young people want to write about for us um so there must be either an interest in that or there's a change in tide where young people want to focus on these issues more and i think that's kind of what we've encapsulated um and unlike a lot of other outlets that, are, that exist at the moment that do want to just fight this culture war issue to get clicks that aren't really interested in tackling the issues that are really impacting people that's i think what we're encapsulating i don't know what you guys what you guys think i think yeah i think young young, young people is, uh, uh, especially are moving away from sort of the traditional me to like the traditional media aren't you know um I, I I don't know about about you about like like you 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 two but you know I've never I've not bought a newspaper ever you know ever I don't think you know it's all either online or 
through through social media and, and, and things you know I, I you know I don't I don't buy the sun I don't buy a traditional newspaper I think a lot of young people are looking for alternatives to that sort of, of sort of, sort of like old guards traditional newspapers you know mm. yeah for sure for sure Better I mean, the planet as well yeah yeah, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I did have another question which was uh, is there such a thing between I don't know if it might be kind of off topic now but it was do you think there's a, a a difference between or how do you distinguish between justifiable and unreasonable um, scary topics news topics is there such a thing as some topics being unreasonably uh, or the fear being used unreasonably in certain uh, news stories or do you think that it's based on people's political views because I reckon if because the, the first thing that popped up in my head was um, the refugee crisis. Like, you know, there was yeah. a semblance of fear around us taking in refugees, but I'm pro-us taking in more refugees. I think we should be doing more to help people fleeing war. But it, does, it, does it depend on your political point of view? Because I think maybe, if we are maybe. somebody that was maybe uh, not predominantly or more, not more left, left-leaning... They might say, like with Brexit, there's been loads of fear thrown around about Brexit and the impacts that it's going to have, and bloody blah, blah. You know, would, would does it depend on your political leaning as to what you find, what you see as fear mongering and what you see as um, legitimate concern? Mm. I think it probably would. Yeah, but where is the line? Because in that case, do do you? think it's justifiable for these people to be scared of the, the, what these lyrics being removed from songs or? If they have a just, if they have a reason to be scared of them, or scared of it being removed, of parts of their history being erased. Yeah, but I, again, it's it's yeah. So I do think it is based on your political leaning or your points of view, because whilst I can understand why people might think that it was history trying to be erased or removed, I still don't necessarily think that that's a legitimate concern. Not to say that they, they're. Uh, stupid or whatever for thinking for being concerned about that but just that um it isn't necessarily something we need to worry about that times change that we are the the face of the country is changing and we need to focus on ensuring that we recognize our history in a more balanced way because we haven't done that we've done the opposite we've been pretty blind to it um so whilst i can understand some people thinking oh removing statues is erasing our history when you look at it as actually we want to reflect history in a truthful manner, not erase it but learn from it and teach it properly, then through that argument you you sort of alleviate people's concerns. Whereas things like this Brexit issue, it's not it's not fear mongering if it's a pos- if it's a possibility, if it's a tangible thing that could happen. If you're just reporting the fact that a no deal Brexit most business outlet or most uh, business groups and trade unions and um, economic forecasters recognise that a no-deal Brexit would mean that we would be worse off financially is that fear-mongering or is that just reflecting reality? But then wouldn't the, wouldn't the other side who, don't, who think it is fear-mongering, wouldn't they also argue that it's a, a case of your political opinion yeah probably and that's the problem (laughs) that's that's the problem uh it's a difficult um bridge to gap but uh it's about how you argue for these issues and i think that you know it's it's especially with where brexit is concerned there's been so much slandering and slamming of the people that voted for brexit i wasn't old enough to vote in the referendum um i would have voted remain if i was old enough but um so much slandering of people that voted for Brexit as them being racist and bigoted mm. and everybody voted for Brexit because they hate foreigners and blah de blah and there was obviously there are some people that voted Brexit because of those reasons but the reality is in my opinion the Brexit vote was sold and reflected a distrust of the political establishment and people being let down and 
pushed to the point where they had to vote for something that was going to signify some kind of change. Yeah. That was what it reflected in people's minds. Um, there wasn't tangible or good enough opposition. There wasn't real arguments for the EU because the EU is majorly flawed. Mm. Um, and there was a naivety in that the people weren't going to vote for this and they did. And then it was like shock horror. Um, and I wasn't surprised. I, I was at a, an open day at Essex University and in the um, lecture, I did politics at uni and I'm not at Essex, but uh, this was a, like a politics, a fake politics lecture. And the lecturer asked, who thinks that we'll leave the um, EU? And the only people that put their hands up were me uh, and my parents and nobody else did. And we were like sort of ridiculed in this lecture for putting our hands up, you know, by a politics lecturer. You know, that's the naivety that it reflected. Um, and then when you aren't, when, when the impact of this is reported, it isn't reported in the way of, you know, like the politicians are the one that ones that are um, at fault for this. It's reported as um, the people that voted for it are the ones that fought. And it's 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 blaming the con and not the con artist, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably a, <laughs> that might be a topic for a different. Yeah. Topic, but uh, but yeah. No. So it would be yeah. interesting when we have, uh, you know, you, you know, George Holt, who's written some yes, fantastic yeah. articles for us, comes on. It'd be interesting to see what he thinks about this. Definitely, and we'll probably yeah cover this topic a little bit more with him. Sure. Um, I will. Uh, oh yeah, I I did find out from these guys uh, whilst I was researching this topic that we are having an opinion piece written about fear in the media by um, Isabella Brand. Um, and it's being published on Monday, so make sure to check that out yeah. once it's published. Um, okay, I think we'll move on to the current events section now. Um, are you guys happy to do that? Yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah. Cool. So uh, the first of current event I wanted to talk about was um, Alexei Navalny, who is a, a Russian politician. Um, he's an activist and uh, probably quite most importantly a Kremlin critic. Um, he was poisoned this last week um, and over the weekend was flown to Germany after he fell into a, a coma um, I'm saying he was poisoned because I've seen a lot of uh, places reporting it as he was probably poisoned or he might it, it's quite likely that he was poisoned um, nobody's I, I saw an article this morning saying something very similar um, in the Guardian I think it was but nobody's actually saying definitely he was poisoned I don't know if it's a case of them being scared or, or whatever, but um, I don't really know if there's much doubt that he was poisoned at all. Um, anyway, my, my first my questions that I planned were um, first of all, why is he not dead? <laughs> He's a beast. He's an absolute beast. That's why. Yeah. Why was he even allowed? So if if he was poisoned, which I think is like I said, I think right. It's so not we, much so doubt. so the the reason that people are saying 100% that he was poisoned is because there is little there is not enough evidence to definitively say that he was poisoned you have to sure. infer slash imply I guess as media outlets you can't go and make these claims no. because they'll be attacked for it but I, I <laughs> the circumstances <laughs> who he is he comes from Russia what are you trying to suggest that Russia have got a history of poisoning opposition <laughs> Or or throwing people who disagree with them out of windows. No, of course not. But I I'm just very surprised that he's still alive and was even allowed to leave the country. Yeah. So because well, it's uh, international pressure. You know. Um, sure. Initially, it was seeming like the the Russian government or the Russian officials weren't going to allow him to leave because they were wanting this thing to leave his system first, so proper tests weren't available. Then the Kremlin said that they'd cooperate and move him away as quickly as they possibly could. Um, and then the you know as you said the German hospital said that it's quite likely that this was you know there was some something dodgy <laughs> at the very yeah. best going on yeah. the, the the thing about Alexei Navalny is that obviously he's a target because he represents a real and um, a, a real and present danger to the government of Russia he's somebody yep. that has actually been unapologetically um, opposed to the Kremlin 
He has organised protests in the past. He's been jailed for that. Um, he's had uh, like this. An- he had antiseptic liquid, green antiseptic liquid, thrown in his face. His offices have been ra- uh, raided by the Russian security forces. Um, his organisation um, was labelled as a foreign agent. Um, and w- when he was jailed, he was he had an allergic reaction an allergic reaction to something whilst he was in jail as well um, and right. he was after he was released his personal doctor did tests on him and his personal doctor said that um, he he thinks that, that they attempted to poison Navalny whilst he was in prison Jesus um, but he survived that and he yeah. survived this one and you know he gave a speech after he had the green antiseptic liquid thrown in his face he gave a speech with it, you know, he's covered. It's moments after he's covered in this uh, liquid. He's been seen to by medical officials and he's doing this speech like, they will not stop me um, from from uh, being in opposition no matter how much they try. Like, he, he you know, he's an incredible guy. Um, yeah. But, yeah, the, the Russian government have a history of this. They've tried to crack down on Navalny constantly and his organisations. They've, they've cracked down on other political opposition in the mm-hmm. past, there was the Bolotnia Square protests in 2012 yeah. um, that were the largest protests since the 90s in Russia. And yeah. they the, not only were they cracked down on by police, but also um, legally, it was the largest legal challenge to protesters or to, yeah, to protesters um, on record, I believe. Mm-hmm. And various human rights groups have said that um, the Russian government abused the rights of these protesters because there were no rights it was literally just them cracking down on political opposition um even the russian human rights ombudsman vladimir lukin said that um there were no actual riots there was just peaceful protests um yeah and when there were some people protests recently due to coronavirus and that where people were yeah. taking this took to the streets and were arrested or yeah, or so it was you know, dispersed. We're we're looking at an authoritarian state yeah. that doesn't um, take to any kind of opposition lightly. Mm. Uh, it's interesting though that the, what you're saying about Navalny because um, it goes to show, I think, how Putin doesn't have as much power as, or at least I thought he did. Because if Navalny has been, they've tried to suppress him for so long and they still haven't managed to i would have expected them to do a do a stalin and just you know throw him away into some but they they or, the thing is the, the weird thing with russia is that it still tries to give off this uh these signals that it is democratic mm. so it's yeah. not like full blown dictatorship well it, it is but they don't sell themselves as being a full blown dictatorship they, do any do do any dictatorships? Yeah, like I think there's a lot that, um, that you know that, that a like don't have elections, or that when they have elections, they are so rigged that it's bloody obvious that mm. it's a, like look at what has happened in Belarus, Belarus, yeah. Um, so uh, there's still this idea. There's still like um, international pressure on them to an extent, not as much as there should be, in my opinion, especially when um, you're trying to kill off or seemingly trying to kill off uh, political opposition or when you come to the UK and you fucking poison somebody in the UK put in like the the response to all this stuff has been so weak Um, I was going to ask that I was going to ask what you think the problem is the response the problem is right I Mm. don't want any war you know I'm I'm, I'm anti-war I think you should always try and seek democratic solutions to issues um, you should, we, I don't believe that we should be involved in any offensive military action whatsoever, right? Mm-hmm. However, what is your line when somebody tries to poison or somebody poisons um, uh, somebody in your in your country? Yeah, I mean, in um, regards to what happened in the UK, I think it's definitely. I, I th- the response was was abysmal from Theresa May's government when the whole Salisbury stuff happened. Um, and it's... Uh, they were, I mean, that was basically an act of war. 
it's um, close. It's close, right? And it that's, was a chemical I mean, that's attacked, quite, in, attacked yeah, in another country. Yeah, that that's uh, if, if yeah, yeah. But but why are there not more sanctions being put in place against Russia? Why are they not trying? Why is the West not trying to cripple their economy? Because surely... what what do you do when you um, when you when you're sanctioning a country? Who are you impacting? The people. Exactly. But that drives the people surely to then blame their own government does it or does are it? you radicalizing uh populations this is the problem it's not easy this stuff it's it's really complex mm. and this is this is the problem you know, we, you know the u.s putting sanctions on on venezuela for example mm. um causing almost causing uh famines in venezuela because of the sanctions that they um put put on the venezuelan people or the venezuelan government whose ec- economy is crippled anyway so if you do that and you impact people, you know the poorest people in society, innocent people, um, who's the harm? It's risky because you know where's the harm directed? Um, and what mm. what I think the alternative is is that you seek you know more democratic forms of peace. The problem is that we're moving further away from these institutions that provide security in the world so like the eu for example that does provide us with economic security um moving away from them gives us less political capital so when we have to respond to these issues how firm can we be look at the the stuff that's gone on with belarus what what's our reaction been to that um we're very worried about what goes on in what's going on in belarus especially the suppression of political opposition like it's just weak response to all this stuff yeah but i mean the uk was one of the first countries to not recognize the result of the after pressure it wasn't instantly not recognizing the result they actually congratulated the did they like initially and then went back on on that right and they they called it the government like you know the government of belarus if there has been right um if there has been uh, meddling in the election of the government of Belarus. It's like, no, you just don't recognise that they're the government if you're that opposed to them uh, rigging elections. But, but instantly, but straight away. Anyway. Um, yeah. Um, Alex, any thoughts on, on Alexei Navalny? Um, just that it's interesting that we were saying about about like our, our, our response to this. And considering we only had the Russia report a few months ago, a few weeks, mm-hmm. weeks ago even, you know, it's interesting that the government isn't trying to be seen to go harder on Russia and say, you know, you know, we are handling this. We are, we do consider them a, you know, a threat and a target and a target. But but when you consider the deep ties that Russia has to this our, our current our current government anyway, you know, it's um, it's it, it you know, it's yeah. it's hardly surprising that there's not more of more of a crackdown on Russia. You know. Yeah, it's a really good point. Yeah, definitely. Um, and you think that, it'd be a priority for the yeah, yeah. But you have to look at that, don't you? You have to. You, you can't ignore the fact that what was said in the Russia report and what has occurred—that sort of meddling that's occurred over here, the corruption that's occurred over here—and how much of a contributing factor is our is that to our response? Sure. Um, somebody again who would be really interested to talk to on this is Alex Yeo, who's um, really interested in Russian and Eurasian politics. Um, you know, somebody who knows a lot more about it than we yeah. do. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So yeah, it's difficult. The the thing is with all of these topics of what response should be, it's never yeah. as simple as let's just be firmer because that has co- those actions have consequences internationally. Yeah. Mm. Um, you know. Do you what do you think the do you think there will be any kind of impact um, from this in Russia? Do you think it will prompt more? anti-Putin sentiment any more protest I hope so but you know Putin's or create more fear yeah I mean he's in the process of solidifying excuse me solidifying his rule of Russia for basically the rest of his life yeah Um, you know so whilst he's trying to tighten his grip on Russia and also crack down on political opposition are the people of Russia going to sit and take that or are they going to push for more democracy especially if they can see what's going on, going on in, in places like Belarus. Um, I always hope that these events lead to more democratisation, um, but yeah, they're, incredibly, they're incredibly complex. So, yeah. 
Um, what would Russia look like if it if it had a, a true democracy? You know, yeah. I think we'd see the breakup of Russia. Um, I I remember talking to a, a a Russian girl I met in Oxford back in twenty sixteen, I think. Yeah. Um, and she was, uh, so she was studying over here in the, in the UK. Um, and she was talking about how she was positive there was going to be another revolution in Russia. Right. Interesting. In the next few years. Um, and she was advocating for it. Yeah. I mean, there's obviously a movement towards that direction. Yeah. There's lots of different groups, whether it be political groups or like the, the band I was going to bring up, Pussy Riot. I mean, yeah. they've been yeah. really vocal and have faced, you know, um, you know their rights being taken away from them for being so vocal about the, their mm-hmm. dislike of the government. Um, yeah. So there is obviously a movement. That these protests show that there are a lot of people in Russia that are, who aren't happy with mm. um, how the, the the country is being governed. But at the yeah. same time, uh, the how quietly is if there was a revolution, would Putin go? What would that look like? I don't can't well, see it being particularly exactly. peaceful, personally. No, I don't either. Um, so. You know, it's scary stuff, this. Scary stuff. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and we have to ensure that, like all of these issues, we're on the right side of history when people look back, and we, we often aren't. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, any, any further comments, Alex? Um, no, I think, I think Jack's, Jack's neatly summed it up there, I think. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right, uh, I'll move on to the next uh, and final topic, then. Uh, I wanted to talk about Prince Andrew. Um, everybody knows about his, yeah, you know, involvement with Epstein and the BBC interview that he had back in autumn of last year mm-hmm. that was meant to clear his name but basically just <laughs> pro- provoked mockery and, and memes um, but since then we found out even more information and about his involvement with Epstein and uh, Ghislaine Maxwell who is currently awaiting trial for allegations of sex trafficking in, yeah. the, in the US uh, Virginia I might butcher her name here. I think Goof uh, has accused Epstein and Maxwell of trafficking her to Prince Andrew um, and said that I believe they had sex three times. Um, Prince Andrew resigned earlier this year from all public roles as a royal. He's a person of interest currently in an investigation in the US. um, And uh, according to Newsweek, a majority of Britons believe he should be stripped of all his titles and extradited to the UK. uh, US, sorry, not UK. Um, and yet, he remains free and basically unquestioned in the UK. Um, what are your thoughts? Uh, my thoughts are that he should be stripped of all his titles and extradited to U- the US. <laughs> They're my thoughts, one hundred percent. Anybody mm-hmm. else would be, wouldn't they? How is it? How has it not occurred yet? I know this is this is the question. Basically, how has it not occurred? Because I, I read the other day that he um, cancelled a trip to Spain, a holiday to Spain. Because he was worried that they were going to arrest him and extradite him to the US. Like, Jesus Christ! I mean, what are we doing? What are we actually if that's, doing? If that's a worry, he should be there already. Yeah, but um, who, who actually saying that? Uh, have you guys been following the stuff about Harry and Meghan Markle? Because that's really interesting as well. We should probably <laughs> be focusing more on that than we should on, on the fact yeah, that there's a right, yeah. fucking potential paedophile in the uh, mm-hmm. royal family, like. No, no, a black woman in the royal family is more important. Yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, what, Not a what, what, what is, what are we doing? How, how yeah. can they? I, I, you know, in a, in a, in a real, in a, in a sane, sensible world, the royal family would struggle to um, remain in the way that it is after this, because they are covering up potential paedophile activity. And I'm yeah. not. Don't want to get involved in any conspiracy theories or push any conspiracy theories on anything like that. But if he is a person of interest in an investigation into a possible international sex trafficking paedophile ring, he needs to go and contribute to that investigation. That's Absolutely that's it. Does. End of story. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know. And if there's people that are trying to cover it up, they should be interviewed as well. Yeah, because surely, right, but that wait, sorry. So people who are covering up, does that not involve the the royal family uh, in uh, general? Of course it does. Senior members. Yep. And I don't care what vagina you entered the world out of, that does not protect you from uh, criminal prosecution. No, you know, exactly. especially when it comes to stuff like this. Yeah, it plays into the whole one rule for some. And exactly, but it is. We know others. that that's the case. We know that that's the case. Yeah, you know, it's it is one rule for the people in power and the elites, and it's another rule for everybody else. You just have to look at things as 
as uh, sort of simple as the Cummins um, Bonner mm. Castle trip, or as it, as important as an extreme. Not that the Cummins thing wasn't important, but this is far more important yeah. um, as as this, you know. Yeah. And if if he had nothing to hide, he would just go and talk to them. Absolutely. You know, what well, are your thoughts, Alex? Yeah, the thing is, I think it's because Prince Andrew's he he's always been like this, hasn't he? he you know, he's 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 got a habit of hanging out with with dic, di, uh, uh, like dictators all the time. You know, um, he, I think I think a lot a lot of a lot of the reason he's been able to get away with all the stuff he has is because there's such a long history of it now. You know, people are, are just used to hearing you know hearing hearing about him. Oh, here's Prince Andrew's latest scandal. You know. And, and nothing ever gets, you know, nothing ever gets 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 done or changed. You know, I think, yeah, yeah. I think there needs to be more pressure now put on Prince Andrew and and, and the royal the royal family to, you know, make sure he yeah. he is inve- he is properly investigated and potentially, you know, flown flown to the US. Yeah, 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 hundred percent. The queen's favorite. Would, the queen's favorite child. Yeah, I was about to say that. Yeah, I, I wonder how much she has. She's involved in in trying to prevent it from being looked into any further, or from him not being extradited. Yeah, because who, who knows? She, she has a lot of power in that sense to in the royal family to make sure they don't. Sure, but it, line, it but... shouldn't even be in her hands. To be honest with no, you, no, it shouldn't. It, it shouldn't in, even but... be a contributing factor. What parent? wants to be involved in the extradition of their child in yeah. uh, relation to a sex trafficking paedophile ring. No parent ever, ever wants to yeah. have to be involved in that. So you ensure that it isn't up to them. It's not up to the fucking queen whether her son is a criminal or not. And nobody's blaming her for that occurring. But if she's involved is in she covering above it the law, up, though? she shouldn't be. But she is the law, isn't she, in the country? Well, well I suppose... By a sort of like figurehead position, I suppose, but she's got yeah. no actual power to change anything. But well, I, I suppose they've got pressure to put, or they can put pressure on on influence, yes, yeah, yeah, exactly, you know, that yeah. kind of stuff. But like legislatively, I don't know how much power yeah. they have really over this kind of thing. But as I say, she shouldn't be a factor. You know, if we lived in a fair society, it wouldn't matter. If Agreed, it's yeah. the royal family, or if it's Joe Bloggs down the street that's involved in the investigation, you go and you contribute to the investigation. Uh huh. Speaking of their influence, do you think it's a, that their influence maybe contributes to the fact that the media haven't covered it particularly very much, or that they're going after Meghan or, instead? Or the the coverage of yeah yeah. So the coverage of this story is based on your feelings towards the royal family. If you're a paper that has traditionally covered the royal family in a very positive light. Are you or and the need for us to have a royal family in a very positive light? Are you going to go after Prince Andrew? Because going after Prince Andrew involves uh, going after the royal family. That you can't yeah. separate the two because of how it's been covered up. Um, mm-hmm. And if there was knowledge of this occurring, and people in the royal family didn't speak out about it, then again that needs to be investigated. So yeah, I do think so for sure. I do think yeah. so. And 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 like you say, the stories about Harry and Meghan. Um, this, excuse me, complete nonsense about them yeah. uh, being focused on over this just goes to show you that uh, people want to move attention away from it. You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm in the process of watching The Crown on Netflix at the moment, so I'm very interested to see how they cover this. It's, it's very good, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is it's very, very good. good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, Anyway, uh, any any further comments on that, or shall I move on to our final segment? Not from me. Should we, should we move Alex? on? Cool. All right, so yeah, we'll just move on to our final segment, which is uh, just going to be some quick-fire questions. Okay, so first quick-fire question. Uh, favourite royal? <laughs> Who is your favourite royal? British royal. Jesus Christ, that's difficult. Harry, I guess, I don't know, but also shoddy Does past. he still count as a royal? Yeah, does he? If he doesn't, then fuck knows. None of them. Really? Not even William or Kate? Okay, William's all right, but they don't blow me away. <laughs> like I like the st- a lot of the stuff that he's done on mental health has been really good, actually. So yeah, okay, fair enough. Give yeah. him his due. Yeah, Alex. Oh, I don't know. Maybe Prince Philip because he doesn't really give a shit about anything. Prince Philip, <laughs> 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 the racist, bald, bald. Oh yeah, I, I, I don't. I, yeah, I can't say I particularly got a favourite, but he's yeah. 
He's certainly the most like entertaining one. I think. Yeah. Okay. Next quick fire question. Um, this is potentially quite controversial. Uh, if you could, would you remove the monarchy? Yes. Yes, from Alex. Oh, Jack. that's I can't, you can't quick fire answer that. Yeah, I guess you can. <laughs> I, do. I just did. Yeah, true. No. No. Okay. If you did remove the monarchy, and could go out and claim Buckingham Palace, Windsor Castle, <laughs> or Balmoral as your own, which would you pick? Windsor Castle. Yeah. Bearing in mind, you wouldn't have any of the staff. Yeah. <laughs> Buckingham, so Buckingham, the Pal- Pal- Buckingham Palace is going to be a spoons. <laughs> you yeah, be the yeah, best spoons ever. Can, can you imagine that? that? That'd be sick. <laughs> Alex, have you got uh, a preference? I think probably Buckingham, just because of the central London location. I think. Yeah, yeah and it's got a great. Yeah, garden. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> great, 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 uh, great, great parking as well. Can you imagine though? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> can you imagine though having one of these castles and not having any of the staff? Somebody comes to the front door and you've got to walk for like half an hour yeah. to get to it. You'd be really fit, though, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, you would. That's true. You yeah. need also the loudest doorbell ever. <laughs> um, ideal ho- holiday destination. Like, if you could go anywhere on holiday in the next month, where would you go? I've been watching a series called Below Deck. Or the first two seasons are on Netflix and then the rest are on uh, Amazon. And yeah. uh, I'd, it's about the crew of yachts, and I do a, like a yacht charter in the Caribbean. That's my thing at the moment. Right, nice. <laughs> Alex, um, I'm not sure. Maybe like New Zealand or somewhere. I think, considering that's they've true. got the low, the lowest number, the lowest number of, of coronavirus cases yeah, as well. Probably. Yeah, that's true. I hadn't taken coronavirus into account. It's <laughs> <laughs> a fair point. I don't know if they'd allow you yeah, in. At the moment, yeah, though. yeah. Yeah, probably not. So if you're on a yacht, um, you can just, you know, you're just confined to your own little space and you just yeah, spend true, time yeah. in the water. Yeah, although you'd have to get supplies to the yacht. Yeah, but you've got a Somehow. crew that have quarantined and all been tested to do that for you. Yeah, yeah, true. Very working class of me, isn't it, that answer? <laughs> it is very working class of you, yeah. Yeah, yacht trip around the Caribbean. <laughs> um, what do you miss most about pre-corona? Uh, people... Being able to go out, like being, being able to go out and spend time, yeah. like see people, go to bars, proper, like you know, you can kind of do that now. Yeah. But like dancing somewhere with music uh-huh. on, that stuff. That's, I yeah. miss that the most. I miss concerts. Mm. Yeah, Alex. I think I think the same the, the same as Jack. To be honest, you know, it, everything yeah. just feels like such a hassle at the moment, doesn't it? With all the masks and the all the social distance. Yeah, you know, you know everything, and you know, I just can't wait until we get back to you know at least like some degree of of, of you know of of, of um of normality you know and yeah. yeah yeah uh which eu country would you choose to live in if you could uh, this isn't very quick yeah. fire oh uh, yeah but there's so this. many brett for god's sake <laughs> germany yeah okay Germany's a big place. Where in Germany? Um, Berlin. Okay. Good culture, Pretty... good food, good yeah. beer. Good nightlife. Country's going in good direction. Good nightlife, yeah. Alex, um, I think maybe Greece is the the uh, the, con- the like the other EU con- ca- country that I spent the most time in. I suppose so. Right. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Nice. It's I love Greece. One, isn't it? Yeah. There's so many nice countries. Plus, with, with Greece, can you choose, could you like do the islands as well? Would that count, or would you have yeah, to pick? Yeah, yeah, So there we go. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but what about countries like like Scandinavian countries, like Ooh, Sweden yeah. or, or they, Denmark? Yeah, yeah Swedes, Sweden's well, quite. I'd probably think yeah. about Sweden. If, if I wanted to live in a, a Scandinavian country, I'd want to live in Norway. Ah, and, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so. that's an issue then. Germany it is. <laughs> what about you, Brett? Yeah, I don't know. I think Not I mean, I've lived in France, so France <laughs> has to. I've lived in France, so that has to. I think that's out of the question. Right, um, okay. I'd probably consider like Sweden or I don't know. Expensive. Yeah, Sweden, Cost of Austria, high. maybe. Austria, yeah. Austria, beautiful. So is London, mate. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, like uh, maybe, yes, you know, Switzerland. The 
Uh, Austria, sorry. Yeah, it would be cool. Yeah, Austria. Germany also would be pretty cool. Yeah. Um, final question aimed at Jack. Are you looking forward to your backyard being filled with lorries on their way to <laughs> uh, Yeah, I can't wait. Yeah, Traffic's, yeah. Uh, at the moment, traffic's almost too good. So... <laughs> I've 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 lived with you for a while uh, last last summer and the traffic there is already awful. <laughs> so I live so, I live in Dartford, so we've got the the, the twenty five and the tunnel and the bridge yeah. and my village is like a cut through for when the traffic's bad. So we already have these stupid fucking heavy goods vehicles that can't fit down the lane coming down. The traffic's already awful, you can't get through Dartford, rush hour's terrible. What we need, yeah, is just loads of lorries parked everywhere. Yeah. Um, and then we just never have to leave our houses because you won't be able to get anywhere. So it's problem solved in many ways. It could be a new attraction for for Dartford, 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 Dartford. and Kent in general. Yeah. yeah. There we, we go. Could go and see all the lorries. Can't wait. Different mate. countries. Can't wait. <laughs> anyway, let's end the uh, the podcast there. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed, uh, and especially enjoyed the new format. Um, if you have any feedback to give us we would very much appreciate it and get involved get uh get in touch with questions as well at the end for, for if yes, you're sending quick fire yeah. questions we will answer your questions we'll prioritize your questions. please because i'm had though, honestly i spend the most time trying to think of the questions <laughs> to come up with at the end they're good man they're good they're good <laughs> good uh, uh also if you have any strong opinions you'd like to voice uh please feel free to contact us on twitter facebook and instagram at uh, demographica uk or to email us at our new email address, info at demographicauk.com. Uh, Demographica is a place for young people to express their, their views, so we'd love to hear from you if you have an article you want published or want to join us on the podcast for whatever reason. Uh, yeah, once again, hope you enjoyed. Thank you, uh, Jack and Alex, for coming on. Thanks, Brett. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, it's a pleasure. You're welcome. <laughs> we'll see you next week, guys. Bye. Bye.